0: can't hear god for you i'm here to teach you how to have your own relationship with the god who loves you and died for you amen all right that was just a nugget for free i don't know what somebody was thinking about yeah just free no charge no charge oh lord thank you for this day and for all of your love and mercy and grace we We appreciate you, and we love you, and we thank you that you've taught us how to love by loving us so perfectly. Thank you for your word and for bringing us closer to you today and planting the seed of your word deep in our hearts that it might take root and bear fruit in our lives unto holiness in Jesus' name. Amen. What's your vision? What's your vision? Does it have anything to do with God? Hey, I love that. I love that. Listen. God loves you, and and He, the more you seek Him about your life, the more He's going to give you things that He has for you to do. Things He's written in His book for you to do before the beginning of time. And would you believe that I know a lot of people preach the sovereignty of God like every little thing that happened. God wrote that and he planned it. That's not true. true. The graveyard's full of people who never spent one day in the will of God in their entire life. And that's sad. It's the richest place in the world is the graveyard. All the treasures that came with so many people buried with them. And like like, uh, Dennis said, you know, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And that goes for all the all the gifts of grace that God has given us: our talents and abilities, our time, our love, our affection, our resources. He wants all of it. <laughs> he wants you is the point, because that's where your true happiness and okay, peace right. and purpose is. And then there's nothing more powerful than God-given purpose. Right. You know, Paul was in a uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote over. About half of the New Testament, I guess. He he went through terrible things in his life and ministry. One time he was in a shipwreck and uh, they were everything was about to be lost, and he he probably was thinking about listening to those who were losing all hope, you know. But Paul was smart. He went and got alone with God, and he sought. He sought God and, and, and tried to hear God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the storm. And he did hear God. God's faithful to meet you. And what God reminded him of was the things that he had told him before. He, Paul knew in his mind that God told me I was going to go to Rome and I was going to speak before the, the, the rulers and, and, and the people. And, and, and so that hasn't happened yet. You see, when God gives you a word and you know that it's God, that is something that compels you and motivates you and strengthens you in times of adversity. Knowing it hadn't happened yet, he knew he was safe. And the angel reminded him of that. And he said, "I'm gonna, we're going to spare you and everybody here, but you're going to be lost at sea for a few days and <laughs> so so he had some adversity to look forward to, but can you imagine being shipwrecked and everybody having to get into the water and lost in a big storm, but you already been told by God it's going to be okay? you just be swimming around, hey, everybody, it's okay. Everybody else is worried about sharks. You're like, hey, it's okay. God already told me. <laughs> I want to read something to you. It's a little sobering, but it's the Word of God. And this is the, Jesus in the book of Revelation, which terrifies a lot of people, but it shouldn't. It should be uh, a message of hope and and love for, for those who love God, and that includes all of us here, I believe. Amen? So, looking at the third chapter of Revelation, I'm just going to read from it today, and then I'm going to move into some other things. I'm going to I'm going to hit on three areas of the the word today, and hopefully the Lord allowed me I'll get get to it, Um, being mindful of your your time as well. These uh, three churches I'm going to mention today that Jesus spoke a message to, and then we'll we'll go into it a little bit. To the angel of the church in Sardis, talking to the pastor. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, talking about Jesus. I know your deeds, he tells this church. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then he goes on to speak to the church in Philadelphia. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. This is Jesus again. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. Remember the word says that a real Jew is the one who opposes the law, not just claims it. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says of the churches. He moves right into the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Again, Jesus. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. (laughs) You say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can... Cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. These things here—the gold that he wants you to purchase from him—is—is holiness. That's the wealth that you can get. The white clothes. There's a there's a garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness. You see the white linen garment. And you can cover the the salve for your eyes. That's just revelation knowledge of his word. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's a serious thing. It's a serious thing, this salvation that we've entered into. This is the only time that we get this this fraction of a a sliver of time that we hear on this earth this is the only time we get to do the work of God. To tell people about the Lord. To live in love and forgiveness and honor God. It's just a flicker. And when we get home, we don't have a chance to do it anymore. There's a, there's a guy who had a dream. He had been flirting around with the world. He knew God, but he went his own way and kind of just really was enjoying life too much to get around to to God, and he just, you know, he was one of those, we see him a lot these days, they call themselves the ones who are righteous and who walk in love and, for, and, uh, and mercy and uh, acceptance and tolerance, and really all the while they're claiming things that are evil as good, and it gets so skewed, and they just kind of say, hey man, live and let live, and and they call that righteousness. You well, this guy had a dream, and there God was on one side. Jesus was over here and had this big, this big yard, this big field, and on the other side of this big fence, there was the devil, and he had his thing going on over here, and this guy was just perched up on this fence in the middle. And he was watching everything, and he just, you know, like I said, he loved God. He, he didn't have anything against him. He was just kind of enjoying things over here for the while, and he just didn't really either claim either one, and he stayed on the fence. And then all that went away. Nobody was there, just the guy, and the devil came into the room looking around like this, and he goes, hey, there you are. I was looking for you. And he goes, what are you looking for me for? I'm not on your side. He goes, oh yes you are. The fence is mine. Uh, wow. The fence is mine. Fence is mine. I fence. And I want to tell you something. that He's right. The fence belongs to the devil. <clears throat> you chose by not choosing, you see. Therefore, Therefore, Paul says, <laughs> I urge you, brethren, Romans 12, 1 and 2, by the mercies of God, because God has been so merciful and loving and he gave all that he had to provide us with this salvation because of the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service and worship. Your, your, just your your reasonable service, he said, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. We can know the will of God, but it doesn't just come with our salvation experience. That all happens in our spirit, which we really can't discern until we come into agreement with it and our soul begins to be renewed. Our mind, our will, our emotions in accordance with the spirit of God, which is the word of God so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. God's will for our lives has a lot more to do with Jesus than it does with us, is the point here. As we think of us, I think, <coughs> Colossians is a wonderful book for anyone who struggles or any, had any kind of hang-ups or... Or condemnation, things they've been struggling with. But Colossians talks about the supremacy of Christ over everything that he's created. I'll just read a little bit for you, starting at the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. He said, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Praise God, I pray this and thank God I speak this blessing in prayer over each and every one of you that you might know the things that you do have in Christ. He goes on to say that Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is God. For in Him all things were created... Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things that have been created have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy If you continue in your faith. Established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And of which I, Paul, I will have become a servant. I'm going somewhere. Now. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, he said, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in his fullness. Here we go. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. He's saying God had a secret. And now it's revealed to God's people. You want to know what it is? Isn't it amazing that God could have a secret for, for generations and millennium and people just wanting to know what it is and now it's finally revealed and here I am about to tell you. <laughs> to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Christ in you. Christ in you people everywhere waiting to go to heaven where things will be so nice and they will but i'm here to tell you today that heaven has come to you the kingdom of god dwells within you jesus christ you have the mind of christ in you you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus All the peace, love, and joy you will ever need is already in you. And I can teach you how to draw it out. I'm going to put that ladle in your hand. The bucket with the longest rope you need. So what's your vision? What's God asked you to do if you don't know, it's okay. You don't be condemned. Ask God to begin sharing his vision for your life with you. He's such a gentleman. You say, well, how mean. He, he knows I need these things. He knows I need to know these things. He, God, God already had angels and, and things that he created that have to do his will. He wanted a family. He wants you to choose him for him. He's amazing. But he'll never force himself on you. But he definitely wants to share his plan for your life with you. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. Hasn't he told you something? Something bigger than you? You might have dismissed. This is a little tip for you. You may dismiss something that God has told you. Is it recurring though? Something just so crazy and outlandish, so big and wonderful that you're like, I could never. He needs to give this one to the Trumps or somebody who can get it done. You know, I, I don't. I'm just me. You know, I. I'm thinking about getting a second part-time job. You know, that's not me. Yes, it is. That's the very kind of thing God will put into your heart. Something you know you can't do. That way, He gets all the glory. Discouragement is going to come to you in this life. Most of you know this, but I'm just going to remind you that discouragement is forever going to be before you. And when God tries to get something done through you, you'll be your biggest discourager, your flesh. But then he'll, he'll use even those who love you the most. I mean, this is the devil's plan, not God's. But the devil will try to discourage you. Now that doesn't mean that this person or people or friends or loved ones or even your spouse that you love and loves you the most. doesn't mean they're of the devil. It just means that once in a while when they're weak in their flesh, they think a thought is theirs and it was really the devil. And they'll discourage you from your dreams, your vision that God has for you. That's why it's important, especially for you men, to share your vision that God has given you with your wife and wives likewise. It's, you, you need to be talking about the, the things that God puts in your heart, these wonderful dreams and visions. And, and so you're on the same page and that the enemy can't take them from you. But it's true. The devil, he'll use your own dog to bite you, to try to discourage you. Sorry, it's a bummer. <laughs> See, we have a new puppy and it bit her really bad. I mean, and, uh, <laughs> but Isaiah said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. And every tongue that rises against you, thou shalt condemn. Wait a minute. Now, a lot of people I hear say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But that's not the entire scripture. You have a part to play. It says every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. That means when something contrary to the word of God or to the vision of God spoken over you. Someone says, I don't care who it is. You've got to reject, reject it. it. Amen. I, I don't receive that. Exactly. You're going to hurt some feelings. And some of you are probably more tactful than me. But hey, let the chips fall where they may. I'll go and pet them later, but I'm going to reject that lie immediately. Especially if it deals with sickness, or you know, how do you? Uh, I, if you have to watch a television program, you know, get UVerse like we have, or something with the recordings on it. You got to fast forward through those commercials. They'll make you sick. Now, if, you, if you're not sick already, the commercials are going to make you sick, telling you about the medicine designed to heal you. Yep. <laughs> If you agree with all that stuff, just hearing it is enough to... you got to go and pray and rebuke all that for 30 minutes to get it out of your mind. <laughs> that one was free too, Chris. <laughs> the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Do you know that? The same power that raised Him from the dead, really... How, how long have you ever focused on that? Meditated on that? Because, I mean, it's easy to read stuff really fast and it sounds great. Oh, yeah. But really? The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And it lives in you for purpose. The helper whom my father will send. Jesus says, good that I go away because the helper will come. He can be with all of you individually. It's like me being with all of you all the time. Everywhere you go, in every situation, I'm always going to be there with you because the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. And you can draw on Him and use, utilize Him by faith. I'm hearing, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Jesus came to a man. Where is it? John 5, I think. Laying by the pool of Bethesda, pool of grace, place of grace, five columns, five for grace. Man laying there for 38 years. Jesus knew he'd been there a long time. He walked over and said, you want to be well? You want to be well? He gave him an excuse. Oh, I... I try to get to the waters, these healing waters, when they're stirred up by the angels. But before I can get there, people always get there before me. Jesus said, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Rise up and walk. Get up. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are no longer of this world. Christ dwells in you. All the fullness of the Godhead. <laughs> that little puppy we have. Tell that dog, hey. You already moved the cats to the garage. They won't come in the house because you're here cowboy my 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 puppy cat he's so cool Cow, cowboy kitty he, he stays in this chair out in the garage and they have their doors in and out you know and that doll that, that puppy has made him her play toy and, and he puts up with her a lot but then he's like you know and so i tell her i said now yesterday i'd take her out there I'm going to fix everything. Look, you have to be nice to Cowboy. He's my kitty. He's nice kitty. You be nice to Cowboy. And so she's like, okay. So I walk in the house, and I close the garage door behind me. A few seconds later, I hear, she's already couldn't resist. You see? She's a dog. Brutus, our big boy who passed away, a big bull, massive, so beautiful. <laughs> he was a good boy, but we took him to Petco one time to get groomed, and, and uh, I, I brought him out. I had him on a leash, but he's so big and strong. And we were walking past the there's a counter in the back, as well as the registers in the front, where they talk to the vets or whatever. And he goes over there and sticks his big old head right up to some woman's rear end, and she was highly offended. You believe that? Yes. <laughs> But she looked like she wanted to kill me instead of him, and I didn't blame her. I, but, you know, I wasn't trying to let that happen. But he was just a dog. He acted just like a dog. That's who he was. And I'm telling you, though, people, we're born one way with the spirit of Satan in us ever since the fall of man. We all, it comes with us from Adam. But when we're born again, that spirit is removed. And the Spirit of God is ushered in and that born-again Spirit is renewed and made perfect and holy incorruptible for all time and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You are a new creation. You are not that old person. You do not have a dual nature. That's a lie. Demonic lie perpetuated by Satan to keep people thinking that It's just day to day. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner. You have been saved by grace. Now you're full of power and victory and the life of God is in you. Rise up and walk. Regret. A lot of people not walking, not rising up and walking in the fullness and power and victory that God has provided because they're walking around with guilt and condemnation, regrets from that old life. Hey, if anybody should have them, it would be me. But I learned that that's a trap. That's a trap of the devil to keep you in regret. You see, regret just breeds condemnation. Guilt, all the things that Jesus bore for you on the cross. That's how you know you shouldn't carry something. If Jesus took it on the cross, you don't need it now. Don't try to add to what he's paid for you. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. That's a change of mind that brings about a change in actions regarding God and his truth. That's a good thing. But to hang on to regrets, and so, that's, that's not for you. You died. You died when Christ came in and now you the, the life that you live is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Let him out. Let him rise up. He died to live in you. <laughs> grace, the true grace of God that Paul was so glad that this church understood in Colossae. Provides. The grace of God provides. It's not something we have to perform to get. It's a gift. It's already there. But sometimes we have to move into position to receive it. Again, it's always a choice with us. You see, God is a gentleman, He is God. He's established and firm. The grace of God has been provided, established and firm. Immovable unshakable, all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for you. But you can step outside of that on purpose, like that guy living on the fence. He could have been over there in God's yard with all God's provision and love, but he chose to be on that fence. you see? God never changed his mind. He could have came in there any anytime he wanted. God never stopped loving him. He chose to be on that fence. You see the difference? God always wanted him in his yard. He but he'll never compel, never make him to, never never insist. Then what would he have? Just a bunch of robots. We need to walk in faith. How do we receive we're saved by grace through faith. So this saving grace, we receive it or retrieve it by, by our faith, by putting our trust, our hope. Our belief in God's goodness and His provision for our lives. That's as simple as that. That means we're walking towards something that we believe, that we know by faith is there according to God's promises and faithfulness. But you can't always see the provision of God. Come on in, my brother, my sister. Good to see you, Bill. Listen, this is important. The grace of God is there for you. Everything, all things pertaining to this life and godliness, the provision for your health, your finances, your holiness, love, peace, all has been provided in its fullness. But you can't always see it in advance. That means by faith, in trusting God and His Word and His goodness for you, when you know He's told you a thing, you just have to head that direction sometimes without the provision that it's going to require along the way. And where is He going to provide it? Along the way. But until you step in that direction, no provision. It requires faith. The world says, Well, if I see it, I'll believe it. God says, No, believe it, and then you'll see it. Abraham was tested one time in uh, Genesis chapter 22. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. He said, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, That's a good answer. <laughs> God's calling your name. Here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain where I will show you. Now, that's tough. That's tough. God had promised him this child of promise and and. He had to wait a long time. He was about a hundred years old when he got Isaac and they had already had to wait so long that him and Sarah tried to fix it and help God and they created a Ishmael and we're still fighting those Ishmaels today. Don't try to help God out. But he told him, "Go sacrifice this child of promise that I have finally given you. make him a, a sacrifice. You know what Abraham did? Let's read on. Early the next morning, Genesis 22, verse 3. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Was Abraham just a big fat liar, knowing he was going to kill that boy and come back? No, he was a man of faith. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac. He tied him up laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out, from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am again. (laughs) Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham had no way of knowing. But this was hard, I'm sure, for our father who was speaking to him from heaven. Because this was an identical picture of what he would do a few thousand years later with his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus would be the Lamb of God, though. Jesus would carry the wood on his back. But he would go through with it. For you. But this time no. Don't hurt him. Now that I see that you love me. And that you trust me. Abraham looked up. And there in the thicket. He saw a ram. Caught by its horns. A ram in the bush. He went over and took the ram. And he sacrificed it as a burnt offering. Instead of his son. So Abraham called this place, the Lord will provide it. That's where we get the name Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants As numerous as the stars in the sky. That's you guys. And as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because you have obeyed me. From Abraham's obedience to the faith. You are blessed. Then Abraham returned to his servants. And they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba, the well of the oath, the well of the seven perfection. Stayed there in covenant with God. You see, Abraham. Abraham was coming up the side of that mountain, fully intent on doing whatever God had asked him to do. But I believe Abraham fully believed that even if he did. Destroy that boy, God would still bring him back. He trusted God that much. He knew that God had told him some things that hadn't taken place yet. He trusted God. God settled it. God said it. That settles it. What a wonderful place to live. If we could all just get there, it takes all the burden off of our backs. Jesus said, come to me, all you who burden and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I am gentle and humble of heart. Listen, sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. The sooner we just learn to agree with God, the better off we'll be. He loves us and he has wonderful things in store for us. All the while, Abraham was going up that mountain, not knowing where the provision would come from, not knowing where the grace of God, not seeing it, not holding it in his hands, just believing, just trusting. And all the while he's going up this side of the mountain, the provision for his need is coming up the other side. Actually gets there a little before him and gets caught in the thicket there. Just God's perfect timing. place there just out of God's love for Him just like it does for you. Every time you take a step of faith in the direction God has told you to go, He's already made the provision for everything He's ever asked you to do. He's brought you here to this point, and if you had a book filled with all His faithfulness and His track record in your lives, it would overwhelm you if you just began to turn and read those pages. He's been faithful at times when you were definitely not and times you, didn't even, you weren't even aware of it. He loves you so much. Abraham didn't see the provision till it was needed, but it was already provided and so it is with you. Many of us have believed in the grace of God to the extent that we believe for the forgiveness of our sins. In that much grace we have believed somewhat. Yet we still walk around with these regrets, this condemnation and guilt. We refuse to move into the fullness of God's grace and his provision for our life. And it does provide for every part of our life. It provides a victory in every area. People say, Well, we'll you know, we know we heard you know, you were you were a bad guy. <laughs> you were a bad guy, hell raiser, drinker drugs, mean as a snake, and I was. They said, but you know, you just, you came to God and then you just decided that you wanted to be good for Him, and let me tell you, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It's not about behavior modification. That's not what the Christian life is about. That's what the world sees. And that's why when they see their Christian neighbor who lives worse than they do, they're like, i got enough problems. Why do I need that? So it does hurt our witness, but that's not what it's about. When the Lord saved me, He brought me into a beautiful relationship with Him. He began to reveal Himself to me, His love for me. And I craved His truth. I craved His truth. I craved His ways to know Him and to understand Him. And as I grew in the relationship that was provided through the salvation that He had atoned for, His love, my new nature, His nature, He compelled me to be more like Him and less like the world, you see. My nature had been changed now as I focus on the new man and I believe what the word says. I bear fruit unto righteousness, unto holiness by putting faith, my trust in Jesus, in my father in heaven, in the provision of grace for victory for every area of my life over sin, over lack, over strife, over sickness. Just automatically, they begin to manifest. You see, it's effortless. It's effortless in a sense, and then the other, and then the other sense, it, I, it takes an effort in the sense that I decide to get off the fence and to jump into my father's yard, trusting him, and learning of him, and growing in the grace and knowledge of him. And as I just allow, you know, being in His presence, craving His attention and His truth, it, it brings about fruit. It's not the other way around. See, half of the church is stuck in this craziness that says, Okay, now that I've come to God and He saved me freely by grace because He loved me so much, now the next day I come to church and man, I've got to perform. I've got to perform to keep a relationship with Him. It's a lie. It's a lie. And what that will do is it will bring more guilt and condemnation and it will cause you to run away from God instead of to Him. As you came to know the Lord Jesus by grace as a free gift... Walk ye therefore in him. Just continue to trust in his goodness and his provision for your life. And as you renew your mind according to the truth of his promises and provision for you, the, prom- the promises and provision will manifest. They'll be there as you go. As you go, you'll grow. It's it's always a it's always a terrible thing this discussion of law and grace. It's so frustrating to people who actually understand the grace of God, and I understand that that's a that's a privilege as well, because not a lot of people do. It's a hard thing. You can't. You're never going to learn it just by the logos, the the words in this book. The Holy Spirit has to help. You. God has to turn the lights on for you. But if you really crave it and you want to know His truth, He's so faithful to get it to you. I see it so clearly. But it's always frustrating to those who really understand this race because it shouldn't even be a discussion. Because what the discussion is implying or saying is how much do I have to do in order just to be okay? And it shouldn't even be a discussion. The Galatians, they started in grace. They believed that they were saved by grace and they started off in the spirit. And then these others came and said, well, that's good. But you also have to do everything else that the law requires and Paul came in and said, you know what, if you think that, you've fallen from grace. You've frustrated the grace of God now, trying to add to what Jesus has done. Faith in God's grace will always produce corresponding actions unto holiness. But it's not because of the actions that you saved. The actions are a byproduct of the wonderful relationship that you've entered into. It's just going to happen because it's who you are now. And as you learn to slam all the doors to the devil's inroads into your life, you're not going to agree with the author of that sin anymore. Why would you? He only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We've come to serve the God of life and love and peace and victory. I'm saved by grace through faith trusting in that grace Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord somebody told me last week he had to do something to find that grace trying to find a way to establish his salvation based on his works again he said no Noah was a good man We know that much better than the others that lived in his day. But we also know by Romans 3.23, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So don't say he was perfect. He was just a good man. He was the only one that was walking in agreement with God. And so God chose him by grace. He had mercy. And so Noah found grace when he put his trust in God's goodness and provision for his life and his family. That's how he found grace. And it's the same way you find it. Just deciding to trust and agree with God. He loves you today. You feel his love? Amen. I think I kept you long enough. I'm going to cut this in half today. No. <laughs> and we won't finish. We'll just stop and we'll start again. Amen. 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 I encourage you to come on Wednesdays. Debbie's really going to start feeding everybody. And, you know, it's the same, it's the same as this, except, except I just wait for the Lord to... Uh, we just sit around together, and I wait for the Lord to get somebody to say something. And it's always something the Lord put in their, in their head. And then I'll say, okay, we'll start right there. And we'll, just, we'll talk about this same message as it applies to our life. And there'll be just us talking talking about God's application of these truths that come on Sunday, will disciple the message, you see. I love you all. The Lord loves you so much. Tell somebody else this week how much he loves you. You know? That's who you are now. That's what you're here for. You're an ambassador of his grace, of his love. And you have a story. You have a way with certain people that only you are only going to ever have. But I've just learned. Hey, I'm not waiting anymore. People say I ask people somehow. You let me pray. Will you let me pray for you? I hope you do. You know they they think you're going to pray for them that night before you go to bed. I'm like, no, 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 right now. <laughs> Poor lady across the street. She she goes to the cowboy church. She's a she's a musician. A, a, apparently a very famous songwriter. I don't know who she is yet, but um, we just met. But but uh, very nice lady. And she she's out in the street the other day. And I'm going out to get my mail. And I'm. And she's limping. She's got this thing on her knee. And she's got these other two ladies from out of the country with her. And she introduced me and all this. She's very nice. And she's like, I, I pulled a ligament in my knee. I said, oh, man, that's nothing for Jesus. I said, he wants to heal that right now. You know, Let me pray for you. Okay. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? This is the day of our salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. Don't waste time. Get, get after it, you know. Don't be afraid to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol because the provision is going to be there for you when you get to the gate. All right? Praise the Lord. God bless you all. Father, thank you for this day and for your precious word. I thank you for helping every one of us to hold on to these truths and apply them in our lives to walk in greater victory as we trust in your grace for our lives. We love you, Lord, and we know how much you love us because your word tells us so. And the Holy Spirit in us confirms it. We thank you for your beautiful track record of faithfulness in our lives. And we want to be more faithful to you, Lord. And we're going to embark on that journey today. Start right where we are, forgetting the things in the past. And we thank you that we're going to focus on the new man in us Christ in us the hope of glory and we're going to let you live through us Lord Jesus your life was cut short here so that you could provide us with this victory and now that you're at home with the father you're just asking to let your spirit live through us and we agree we agree help us with this Lord help us in our unbelief areas where we struggle Just help us to draw on your grace for the victory that we need and that you've given us. We know that you're faithful to do it. We love you and we thank you for loving us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.